Geek News Reviews, commentary, not just another podcast, on the Ordinary People Broadcast. I am the only prince, the leader of space warriors. How could you damn me? You overtake my place, you arrogant imposter! Here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett, on the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, all the geeky news you can use, episode 43, coming at you from the West Coast. This is Kyle A. Bear. I'm an anime and video game voice actor heard on Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F on Blu-ray, DVD, and on-demand video for your digital download happiness and shit. And your co-host on the East Coast, Otherworld Steve, and I'm a historian. You're a historical historian, full of history. I want to throw something out right at the go. So I've got this new website, uh, Killer Bees with Otherworld Steve, and what I'm trying to make it is the definitive resource for B-movies, sci-fi, and horror from between 1950 and 1959, just that decade alone as of right now, because I kind of got my hands full with that. So I could really use some listeners' help at this point, listeners all. If you go over to that, ebe-records.com slash b and, and the website there. There's, there's two lists of the movies. They're the same list, but they're broken up. One's in alphabetical order and one's broken up by year. And I want you guys to go over there and look over that list and please tell me what I'm missing. Um, the reason being is because I'm really considering putting together a coffee table book with the poster art from all the movies and then little breakdowns about the movies themselves. Uh, I'm at this time right now, I have 189 listed, and I don't know if that's all of them. And to be specific, I'm looking for American-made only, um, not co-produced or, or uh, foreign films that were imported. Not yet. I want to finish up the American list first. So if you guys can help me out with that, you can send us a message on Twitter or the Big Ball Broadcast uh, Gmail account, and I'll give you credit on Twitter, on Facebook. And if it does become a coffee table book, I'll even give you credit in that. So thanks in advance for helping a brother out. That's pretty sweet. At BB Broadcast is our Twitter, thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com or bigballbroadcast at gmail.com. You have you have alternatives there. Whatever way you want to get a hold of us, help Steve out with this, uh, this awesome side project, a, a really cool website archive celebrating schlocky cinema from yesteryear. And God, you've seen more than I have. And uh, <laughs> I like thumbing through some of your reviews you have. They're like little bullet point reviews, really short and, 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 and just get at the meat of it all. And it's like, this is a complete waste of time. <laughs> I'm shocked that they're just not copy pasted through most of it. It's like, this is total shit, complete waste of time. Move along. No, I, I really do watch each and every one that I, that I post my little Twitter length reviews for. As they go on, like I said, um, Last year and this year, they're, they're a little bit longer, three, four sentences in some cases, but I don't want to give too much away. In some cases, I straight up just give massive spoilers. In some cases, I kind of dance around it because I want people to watch these films too. Um, and even though these films may be 60 plus years old, I still, if you want to go in cold, go in cold. Most of these movies have gone in cold. So when you go over to the page and you look at the list and, and the ones that I've reviewed, most of them that are linked link over to YouTube, so you can uh, find them there and watch them in their entirety. I like how you noted in particular, it was like a Roger Corman flick. I forgot which one you're saying, like, it's racist. It's like, well, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's the time frame. You know, there's a lot of politically incorrect things in the cartoons and the films of the, of the day, but uh, I guess you can laugh about it now. There's another flick with uh, Lon Chaney Jr. starring in it. I think it's The Alligator Men. And um, it really reminded me of a Popeye uh, cartoon because those early Fleischer uh, Popeye cartoons, they were really edgy. And I don't know if, if that's why you don't see them on TV nowadays because Brutus or Bluto, uh, depending on how he was referred to, was a straight up ra uh, rapist. 
You know, there was there was no two ways about it. He was a straight up rapist, and Popeye was just defending his girlfriend from a brutal rape. So that's what this movie reminds me of with uh, Lon Chaney, Chaney Jr.'s portrayal, uh, <laughs> just a drunk alligator hating rapist and. Ugh, shit you wouldn't see nowadays. That kind of reminded me that like I think Pepe Le Pew is pretty much a, a date rapist. I mean that, that poor cat just trying to get away. It's yeah, it's pretty much the same thing exactly. <laughs> As we're sitting here recording our show, we usually have a live chat room. We usually do it on Wednesday nights. This week we were doing it on Tuesday night because I've got to go. I got to go see Marilyn Manson with my lady. That's just what I have to do. It's required by law. I have to go see this dude perform a bunch of songs that no one's listening to anymore except me. But uh. I will say that if you want to listen to our episode uh, as we record, join us on Wednesday nights. And uh, we usually do this at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. And if you need a link to our chat room on otakulife.net, uh, don't worry about it. We, we post it on our Twitter feed, at BB Broadcast. As soon as we go live, you're able to join in, uh, courtesy of Mixler, uh, the kind folks who make this possible uh, to, to do the live stream. And then, of course, Smodcast is where you find us, our home as part of uh, Kevin Smith's podcast family. Please subscribe. Please catch up with us on our page at uh, Smodcast.com. And uh, all, the, all the awesome podcasts there have uh, pages and archives to catch up with all the episodes and stuff. This week, of course, it, it, it's, it's, big, it's big news for, um, for some, this, this little indie flick that some people may or may not have heard of from The House of Mouse, yeah? Oh, indeed. And uh, I, it's probably the most I ever was active on social media was last night building up to uh, this, this trailer to this really underground, low budget, independently financed flick, uh, Star something, Star, Star Wars. That's it. Space Battles. Luke Starkiller or something. I don't know. You know, I watched the first half of the football game last night, those that follow sports, and holy shit, I, I get Disney's marketing with that whole thing, because those who don't know, Disney also owns um, ESPN, and Monday Night Football last night was on ESPN, and it was two fucking horrible teams, and the only way they could get anybody to tune in, it's like, oh, by the way, at halftime, we have this trailer for this, this flick. I saw a meme on Facebook with Obi-Wan Kenobi, it's like... I had a disturbance in the force that millions of nerds who'd never seen a football game before decided to watch, you know. And the irony with that, not that anybody should be surprised this day and age, is Disney went ahead and launched the trailer on YouTube at the exact same time it aired on ESPN. So everybody got fucked for an hour and a half of their lives having to watch football for no reason. But anyways, um, yeah, I watched that trailer. It's the longest trailer. They're calling it the final trailer. Um, and my eyes welled up with tears. I, I gotta say, I've never had an experience like that in my life where I was so emotionally impacted by watching a trailer. And that I did post on social media to, to share with everybody, but I didn't get your reaction from the trailer. So I'm oh, okay. Curious. Yeah, I hadn't. I hadn't actually posted about it. I will. My my honest take is the second teaser is the one that really, really gave me chills. The first one is the one that kind of made me tear up. That was like a year ago. Can you believe that? A year ago, we saw our first hints of this movie coming out. And then the trailer with, with Han and Chewie in it and, and the music swelling and all that stuff. And now we finally have a, a greater glimpse. And again, kudos to Disney and J.J. Abrams for not giving away what the hell is going on and spoiling everything. Beautiful, beautifully done. Another masterful, masterful job, you know, editing and giving us just a greater glimpse. Now, I expected you, Steve, to say, 
where the hell's Luke? And, and, and kind of be mad about it and say, or let down. And the, we have a new poster, a new final theatrical poster. I don't think it's done by Drew Struzan, who did the original ones and so many Spielberg films and, and other, other things like that. But, um, you know, there's a reason I think that Luke isn't seen. And obviously, we're going to go see that on December, well, 17th in America for some people on the early screening. I think the 16th in the UK. I get it, though, and I get it for two reasons. And the first is, Abrams made it pretty clear from day one that the characters from the original trilogy aren't going to be the focus of this new trilogy. Um, they're kind of supporting players, helping to prop up the new cast of lead characters. And I think they want to make a big deal about his reveal. I think uh, theatrically, cinematically, it's going to be something with a lot of impact. It's going to be very profound, and it's something people are going to be leaving the theaters talking about. So, yes, we do know we're going to see Luke in this movie, but we don't know any of the, the context whatsoever. So there's some people, even as late as today, after seeing the new trailer, saying maybe Kylo Ren is really Luke Skywalker. There's so much conjecture about, you know, are these new characters related to the old characters? All sorts of stuff, and you know, we could be throwing a, a a bunch of uh, you know, just get off the the the, the track there. And JJ Abrams, you know, tried to do that with Into Darkness, saying, "No, no, no, Benedict Cumberbatch isn't Khan. Come on, we wouldn't do that." And then he was. So I don't know. Uh, they do have a tighter uh, leash on on letting things get out, and that's. That's amazing. I imagine that everyone is under a, you know, not only a gag order, but probably death threats at this point. Did you see the, um, the, uh, the social media stuff? You had Daisy, uh, Ridley and John Boyega who, who are, you know, Ren and, or, or Finn and Ray, uh, in the film and their reactions of watching the trailer and totally freaking out. That's so cool. And, you know, I think the part that, uh, some casual observers may forget is, they probably don't, they, they might see some of the dailies, but the dailies don't have finished effects and sound in it. And this is probably quite literally their first time seeing the scenes they were in with finished effects and, and with this sweeping orchestral sound. So, oh yeah, I, I couldn't imagine being a part of that and then seeing how this all fits together. And for them, knowing a hell of a lot more than we do, I, I can't even imagine what that experience is like. But it's so fucking cool that we're in a day and age where we get to see stuff like that. I'm sure this sort of thing might have happened back in the 70s and everything, but obviously there was no internet, no social media, no anything. And this, the, the, the cast and crew are seeing the film for the first time at the premiere. Uh, and, you know, trailers, they weren't shown on TV as, as often as they were in, in, in theaters. And, um, yeah, this is, this is like really cool to, it's, it's just a great time to be alive, man. And, you know, yesterday, I wanted to make fun of a lot of Star Wars fans, including you, Kyle. So I, I kind of apologize in advance. Oh, no, uh, it's fine. But I really thought it was ridiculous that people would pre-order tickets for a film that's still literally a month away. I, I thought, wow, you know, that, that's a marketing gimmick at its best. That's like pre-ordering a game at, at GameStop. But I started doing some research, and I found this article over on The Verge. And from the talks of things... Um, I'll just cover it to the chase. So many shows have already sold out that a lot of people stand a chance of not seeing this opening night. Uh, if you live in a relatively big city and did not pre-order your tickets, uh, Fandango saw a seven times jump in normal uh, peak traffic levels, even experienced some downtime. Um, their highest record was set back in 2012 when hunger games came out. And this is just destroying it. 
AMC saw a single day records uh, more than 10 times over the chain selling out over 1,000 shows in 12 hours. Uh, and IMAX, believe it or not, was the clear winner, according to AMC. 38% of his tickets gross came from IMAX screenings. So I know you said you didn't get to get yours in IMAX, but you did get to secure some tickets for the premiere. I did. I did. Reserve seating. That's that's where it is. I was talking on the last episode and probably a couple before that how I'm spoiled by certain theater chains that do offer reserve seating. So you don't have to sit there, line up at 6 a.m. to watch a movie at midnight the next evening. You can just show up, you know, quarter till, get your popcorn and sit down. And, you know, if someone's in your seat, you go get the theater staff. They'll they'll boot them out of the way because that's your seat and you got proof. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it turns out the screen I got for uh, on uh, certain AMC theaters have a screen where there are like nice leather recliners. And uh, I didn't know that was the screen I was getting because I just wanted to get anything. My problem was uh, that they didn't launch ticket sales along with the the, uh, the trailer as had been rumored. There was a screen cap from Fandango that got pulled during the weekend saying that tickets will go on sale 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on Monday uh, on the 20th or whatever. And that didn't come to pass. I had been checking off and on all day, and then suddenly I got through, and I could, oh, you, you can go order tickets. Holy shit. And then I would get through to the to, to the order screen and hit complete purchase, and then, you know, bam, it would time out or site maintenance and all this shit. And I'm sure plenty of people got that way. So I was able to initially secure a seat for me and my lovely fiance to see it in IMAX 3D, but I couldn't get the transaction to go through. And I kept going through multiple theaters and everything because I said, I got to see an IMAX, man. I got to see an IMAX. And then those all sold out by the time, or I kept getting error screens or, or whatnot. So I ended up just, um, I'm not even sure if it's even 3D. It just may be 2D. And then a friend of mine was able to finally get through probably six or seven hours after they went live and uh, secure tickets for opening night on Friday the 18th um, at, a, at a reserve uh, seating chain called Arclight in Los Angeles. So we're able to see it. I think it's in 3D, but uh, IMAX 3D still eludes me. But um, yeah, with, with all of them sold out like that, if you're just a, you know average Joe Schmo wanting to go to the movies, you're probably going to be shit out of luck. It's really fucked up because, yeah, you and I could sit here and speculate all day, but when people who understand the industry are straight out saying, you might have to wait until the second weekend to be able to see this for the first time, that's a little scary. Because I hope it stays relatively spoiler-free in social media for that first week. I, I don't need this ruined. I'll, I'll fucking stab a bitch. <laughs> and can you, uh, can you imagine that the bean counters at, at Disney are already going, oh my God, we've already blown away records uh, in terms of online ticket sales. But, I mean, that all translates into opening weekend box office. That it, it's just pre-written, you know? Whatever else comes out Christmas week or whatever... Star Wars already has it in the bag two months in advance. Disney's pretty much already come out and said the magic number they're looking for opening weekend is over uh, $208 million. And $208 million is what Jurassic World took in opening weekend. So Disney's pretty confident they can do it. They, they love to see it done. And again, these pre-orders speak volumes towards that. Um, I'll go on record right here and now, October 20th that uh, I believe Star Wars will break Jurassic World's opening weekend record. 
I think it will do that too. Now the question is, are you going to try and get online tickets for any time that weekend or the following week? Or are you just going to just try try your luck and just show up and... and I think I'm going to try my luck. I also kind of have the luxury of uh, at times being available during a weekday. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a weekend showing for me. My, my schedule is flexible enough. I can go to a Tuesday uh, afternoon matinee if needed, but I do want to see it as soon as possible. The other cool thing too is uh, different chains. I say cool, but it, again, it sounds like a video game release, but different chains are going to have different things. Uh, from what I understand, there is going to be a 3d uh, showing it's post converted. It was not shot in 3d. Uh, so some chains are going to have limited edition Star Wars 3D glasses that you get to keep and leave the theater with. Um, some might have some posters. I love the IMAX poster from AMC, the the first of four. I posted that on Facebook earlier today. That's gorgeous. Um, I just I have to remind myself this is Star Wars. None of this shit's going to be collectible. Uh, it's not Pokemon. I don't have to go out and catch them all. But I don't know. I kind of feel like I want to come up with something cool. You know, got to have something. You got to get one piece of uh, a souvenir memorabilia, something. And I, I don't know what it's going to be, but you know, maybe an IMAX poster, uh, maybe a figure. I don't know. Or are you have you, have you totally sworn off figures? Eh, you know, I have two young kids, so anything I buy is not going to be collectible this is a poster and i frame it and i hang it up but anything else is going to be touched and play with and pooped on and whatever else so oh man yeah it's uh, it's it's pretty wild and right before we started recording the podcast i decided to go ahead and pre-order battlefront it already had its um beta debut you got to play it we talked about it last week how uh, you said it was a lot of fun despite your your, your your motion sickness stuff and it's not enough to make you go and i mean for f- probably just physical <laughs> reasons you can't do this but i mean pay the extra 10 bucks to get the special edition which has some additional uh content right from the get-go so uh yeah i gotta have it it's there's nothing that fancy it's not like an art book or a statue or anything like that it's just you know more stuff and of course there's the season pass i guess which on best buy i think is 50 bucks or something like that i don't know what sort of content but uh There'll be some some new characters and content coming up, I'm sure. And speaking of new characters coming up, uh, today EA did announce that uh, in terms of some new special characters, you're going to have Princess Leia, Han Solo, and Emperor Palpatine. Leia will be equipped with what's called Trooper Bane. It's a hard-hitting booster blast shot that can eliminate an enemy in one hit. So it's basically a one-hit, one-kill. She has um, enhanced squad shields, and the supply drop ability powers up team, teammates nearby. What I thought was pretty cool is that uh, players that spawn near Leia spawn as her older and honor guards instead of in their regular uniforms. Um, you also have Han Solo as a rapid-fire shot where for a certain amount of time his blaster won't overheat. Palpatine with his iconic force lightning and speed dash. Uh, force speed dash, should I say. Uh, what's interesting, though, is part of this release, there's also a picture of Boba Fett, but there's no talk about Boba Fett. So I want to know what the fuck's going on with Boba Fett. Alan S in our chat says, honestly, fuck the new Battlefront. Okay, that's the first negative review I've seen about it. <laughs> oh, EA's pricing for it is ridiculous. Well, you know, it's it's 60 bucks like any other game on a current gen console. Um, I don't know. Uh, or unless that's the season pass uh, commentary. Who knows? I think, you know, it's tough with any of these AAA titles that, that come out nowadays where you don't just get a $60 game anymore. You know, you get a $60 game, you only get to play part of the game. 
And then there's this bonus content and new maps and this and that and the other. And when you're done, it's like a $250 game. And people like you, you're one of those that have to get every achievement, unlock every trophy, do you know everything, and, and then replay as the other alternate characters and, and all that. And so you're who they're going after. Yeah, and that's why I pretty much said, fuck that. And Sigmund 88 in the chat said, Boba Fett's DLC, but it looks pretty. Uh, in the season pass is $50. I got to give uh, props to Hero004, who said, about to hit the jump to light weed. I made the jump before you hit record, my friend. <laughs> That's the only way we've ever recorded this show, right? Uh, basically, every show, I believe, ever, going back quite a ways. God, we're coming up in just a matter of weeks on our year anniversary on Smodcast. Can you believe it? I mean, I blinked and I missed it. Holy shit, that's incredible. So we, right now we don't have anything special planned, but maybe we could pull something out of our ass before then. And we got a lot of geeky news we're pulling out of our ass. Actually, it's Steve. Otherworld Steve gathers all of our content uh, by uh, sitting there and crawling across the interwebs and finding such geeky, gooey goodness. I'll get this out of the way real quick, because I know uh, not only does, does this not apply to you, but I don't know if you're much of a fan uh, because this deals with Android, and I have an Android phone, and I am an Android fanboy, if you want to call me that. But uh, if you subscribe to the New York Times, if you're a physical subscriber, you get newspapers in the mail on your porch. Um, on November 7th, they're going to be sending out over a million, uh, two over one million subscribers, their very own Google Cardboard, so you can experience the Times' new virtual reality app. Um pretty fucking cool because I still haven't got Google Cardboard. And what it is, Kyle, essentially, is it's a cardboard kit that you put together. They supply you with all the parts and the lenses and the magnets. And it's a VR headset that your phone goes into. And they have a bunch of uh, different VR apps. And now, obviously, the New York Times has brought their paper into virtual reality. So, yeah, I want me some Google Cardboard. I'm not a New York Times subscriber, nor do I see myself being that in the near future. So I might have to plunk down. I think it's 20 bucks with Google to get it. But uh, it's pretty cool. I think it's something you should check out. So a virtual reality thing. So you're watching, what, news clips, news videos on a virtual reality headset as opposed to just on your phone? It's on your phone, but it goes in the headset. But somehow it's virtual reality, I guess. I don't know. They don't give any description or, or a video or anything. They just say we're launching our VR app. But I think it's really cool. It's, here's the Google Glass, uh, the Google Cardboard, so you actually have the means to utilize that app. I, I think that's pretty neat. That's a neat tie-in. Right. There was something that Marvel did, I don't know if they're still doing it, an augmented reality thing where you could buy the physical copy of the comic book and it would have a download code so you could get it digitally. But not only that, you could hold your virtual uh, reality um, camera app on your phone over the panels and uh, it would kind of read a QR code, kind of a, un, uh, an invisible inked QR code and open up commentary about or maybe show, um, you know, unreleased sketches of the, of the making of that scene or, you know, an earlier draft of dialogue and all that. And I, it didn't quite catch on. I thought it was cool, but I didn't even catch, stay with that because I don't really get physical comics anymore. I just get them on comiXology. But I thought that was a, that was a really cool idea. Absolutely. And uh you know, we talked about it on an earlier podcast. I'm still excited to see what uh, this Pokemon uh, augmented reality app is going to be like. It's coming right from Nintendo, so I'm thinking it's going to be something pretty badass. It might, uh, it might actually make me a, a, a Pokemon player. I, I've gotten a, a couple titles on 3DS through the years, and I played it for a little bit, and I found it a little too repetitive, so I, I put it down and all that. 
but I'm absolutely addicted to my smartphone. I'm, I'm an iPhone guy. You're an Android guy. Obviously, this the, what regardless of the platform, Nintendo stands to make big, big, big bucks on this because everyone's got a damn phone. And you know there's going to be tons of in-app purchases as well. There's certain people out there that will just get the free version and they'll sit there and curse it every time an ad interrupts the gameplay or whatnot. And it's like, no, you're, you're not getting my 99 cents. I don't fucking care. No. I, there's quite a few apps that I have favorited on my phone and uh, I can't I can't go for the microtransactions. I just go on to another game if I get frustrated. Now, what about paying money to get locked out of your account. Something that uh, this new first-person shooter uh, available on Steam apparently is going for. This one is pretty weird. Uh, This is a game on Steam. It's called One Life. It's a first-person shooter. And the way they describe it is One Life is a first multiplayer survival game. One Life is the first multiplayer survival game with perma-permadeath. If you die, you will leave the game forever. You will man- if you manage to survive, will you manage to survive this harsh world of dangers? Unlock your battle truck and set off a hot spots with friends. Play with your own rules, but remember, your every move can be your last one. And there's a, a YouTube video for it as well, if you guys want to go check it out. The thing that gets me here is, it's a $10 game. It's not a free game. So you, you spend 10 bucks in a game that you, A, obviously haven't played before, and B, you have one life. And when you die, that's it. That's the end of your game. And it's essentially the end of your $10. Now, of course, people have brought up, well, you know, what stops me from creating multiple Steam accounts? And they're like, yeah, we get that you can do that, but it's not really in the spirit of the game. So, you know, you kind of reduce if you do that. So you're not going to be able to just repurchase the game for $10 and keep playing where different people will spend different amounts based on how good they are or bad? You know, I honestly don't know if that's an option. Uh, this article I found on Steamed. Uh, I guess you guys can go over there and read through that. If you really want, or go over to Steam and fucking find out for yourselves. <laughs> so one life. There's your, you know you spend ten, ten bucks, dollars. you get one life. That is the that is the most appropriate title for a game I think I've ever heard. Um, I know that uh, I don't play Steam. I don't have. I'm not a PC gamer, and it hardly ever works on Mac anyway. So <laughs> I'm a console guy. Uh, and I'm a shitty gamer on top of that. I know I wouldn't want to buy a game where it tells me you can play it until you die. There's no respawning. There's no anything. I don't know if it's some kind of gimmicky thing or whatever, but I don't see this being in any way, shape, or form the, the future of video games. Sometimes people like picking up the old stuff, the retro things. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of old school Mario. Uh, I enjoy the, the current 3DS stuff, the Mario Brothers stuff and everything, but if you go back to the NES days... And even in the arcade, man, you know, my first exposure was in Donkey Kong. That's the first time I saw Mario. I still love Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., all that stuff. But Super Mario Brothers, man, there's still, like, competitive people out there trying to own and and break records. And someone just broke another record, yeah? It's crazy. I mean, it's probably the first... No, that's not true. I had an Atari 2600. But um, it's the first Nintendo game I ever played, absolutely. And, uh, yes, Mario and Donkey Kong as well. Um I knew people were beating this thing blazing fast. I didn't know that they were still doing it. The last record was broken last year in 2014, and the beat time was six minutes, yeah, six, uh, four minutes, 57 seconds, 57.69 seconds. Let me try the whole thing again. And that record was uh, four minutes, 57 seconds, 0.69. The new one, this was just broken by a Twitch user, um, and the video's over up on YouTube as well. 
uh, it's four minutes, 57 seconds, 0.627. So you're talking literally fractions of a second now because this game's been around forever, of course, and it's certainly not the most challenging game that was ever created. Um, but it's pretty wild in this day and age that people are still going after this record and, and fractions of seconds will put you on the world leaderboard. And I guess it just goes alongside with just that, that uh, pride in unlocking that achievement, right? I mean, it's just bragging rights. There's no, like, you won $1,000 or something. No, I think it's almost better because everybody's talking about you for the next, you know, 48 hours or maybe the next week. You can get yourself quite a bit of fame by being that person. Nice, nice. And then you put a target on your head because then everybody wants to go and break your record. But I've, I've read a lot of uh, what people from the speedrun community have to say and say that's why they do it. They don't do it for the accolades or to say, look, I'm the champ. They do it to kind of rub it in your face. Like, all right, now what can you do? Can, can you do better? So it, it's healthy competition. Drones must be registered with the government. Now, uh, obviously, you can walk into Target or any hobby shop and pick up a drone. Now, Steve, what's the, what's the lowdown on this? It's not every single drone, right? It's not every single drone, although there hasn't been very specific clarification about what's a toy and what's a drone. Uh, but those guidelines will be out. Uh, actually, the guidelines have to be out by November 20th, so essentially four weeks from today, we'll, we'll know a lot more about that. But you have to, you're gonna, if it's a drone, if it's something that carries a, uh, significant weight um things like i don't know if you watch mythbusters at all but they've been using more and more drones to capture their footage and they like talking about that technology and the cameramen so you get to see some of these very very high-end thousands and thousands of dollars drones um those things definitely have to be registered with the government with the uh, faa the federal aviation administration um and some way to tag them so authorities know that this drone belongs to that person, kind of like your license plate on your car. And the reason being is because they're saying that these things have become quite problematic. And uh, some of the big problems are airports having to close down because of drone activity, getting too close to this. There's already been, I guess, for a couple of years, regulations about how close and how high you can fly near an airport. And um, also, I'm sure you heard about this one as well, was the aerial firefighting being hindered because so many people out with their drones being looky-loos, and it was impeding them putting out these flames using their planes that drop the, the water because you, they don't want to suck a, a drone into an intake, into a jet, and, and drop this plane down in a populated civil, civilization. That's fucking ridiculous. So I do understand the need to have to do this. I don't think it's the government just being big government and punishing people. I just hope when the guidelines are released... Uh, a month from now that they're not going to penalize people as you said they go to a target or a best buy and pick up what they consider a toy and the faa says no no you have to license and register that out with us it really is kind of a no-brainer situation because you we've talked about how amazon is planning to ultimately have a drone delivery service and we we, we jokingly say you know there's people who's just going to shoot down the drones from amazon and steal your shit <laughs> it's like i want my new tv or my you know, my food or whatever, and it just gets shot down. There's other safety concerns, too. What if drones just crash into each other and, and fall down, and then, you know, you've got hazards raining death from the sky? And that is why, you know, contrary to even myself, waiting for the year 2000, I consider that, you know, the space age, future age, that we're, we're all going to have flying cars. We're never going to have flying cars. 
because when a crash happens uh, in a flying car, it happens in three dimensions and everything drops down. So, no. That's uh, right. It's also a little scary that this week Tesla's, uh, I guess, S model cars are at least partially self-drivable. The, the second a computer fails, any software failure at all, you're going down the highway and it suddenly can't. <laughs> it can't pay attention. How quick do your reflexes have to be? And you know, how, you have to put your total faith in a machine that's going to, you know, that you've relinquished entire, you know, it's on autopilot basically. And then you need to wrestle it back to you in case something goes wrong. But how can you truly relax in a vehicle that um, you're at the mercy of? And it's a hackable device. We live in a day and age where your car is becoming a hackable device. Um, medical equipment, it's wild. Uh, do the Google search that people that can hack pacemakers and shit. It's like, what the fuck? That's, we live in a very scary day and age. And we've always talked about how like piracy has always been around on the internet and they always managed to stay one step ahead. Well, are people hacking car devices and emergency medical equipment going to always stay a step ahead of the people writing the code? Because if that's the case, that's wicked scary. Yeah, it is. And I'm sure someone will make a movie about it and it'll either be total shit or it's just like, oh my God, this is the edge of the seat. Amazing. They did make a movie about that already. It was called Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> Maximum Overdrive. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. I remember the teaser trailer to that. And they, they soundtracked by ACDC. Who made who? Oh, great stuff. Movie was total shit, by the way. Emilio Estevez, though. Kind of almost worth it just for that. We made you. Uh, speaking of hacking shit. Um, so the NSA could hack into your Facebook account, but it looks like Facebook wants to be on the up and up about it. I figured the government would be on the up and up about it, saying, like, we have the legal obligation to let you know that we're, we're, uh, we're spying on you. But uh, I guess if uh, you, you have some activity that has drawn their, uh, made their eyebrows raise, uh, Facebook will <laughs> give you a heads up about that. This is pretty wild, and, and this sounds like something you should read on The Onion, but it is, in fact, true. Uh, this is from a blog post uh, shared by Facebook on October 16th saying that the protection of its users' accounts is more important than anything else, which is why it's continuously monitoring uh, malevolent activities and provides a multitude multitude of options to safeguard user accounts. And two of those steps that they're taking is, A, they will notify you if they think your account is being hacked by the NSA, which I thought was friggin' hilarious. And the other one, which is probably more hilarious, is if you're being attacked by a state-sponsored terrorist organization. So if ISIS, for example, tries to break into your account, they will notify you, and uh, I believe at that point they tell you just to go out and buy another computer than to try to defeat anything that's going on. (laughs) This selfie is of utmost national security. But it's very interesting, very interesting that a social media organization would go to those type of lengths because I don't think many others are. Um, Now, from what I understand... Any government organization who wanted access to your email, your Twitter, your Facebook, or whatever, need a court warrant. Uh, But because a warrant is provided to that organization doesn't mean that organization is notifying you. Because the government never does. They never tell you if you're under surveillance. So it's up to Twitter or Facebook or your email client to tell you the government has a warrant to go through your shit. Um, So I kind of got to say kudos to Facebook. We talk a lot of shit about them being some kind of evil evil corporate entity who's trying to steal your identity, but I don't know. Good looking out, I suppose. 
when you have like one of the, the most popular spaces on the interweb around the planet, yeah, that's a lot of power. Uh, and that obviously has to be acknowledged and everything. Also, a, uh, I'm just checking the, uh, the, our chat, which we uh, do at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Wednesday evenings, typically here on the Big Ball Broadcast. Frank Chasm says, I wish this was on the radio in the morning on my way to work instead of NPR. Well, you guys can load up your smartphones or your tablets with all their latest episodes or listen to us on Stitcher uh, or Smodcast.com's live stream for Smodco Internet Radio or either way. You can certainly listen to us on your daily commute, and uh, we hope that you do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what makes this thing continue to happen every week, kids. Yeah, so back to the Facebook thing. Uh, not only are they going to let you know if the NSA is, uh, is snooping on your selfies, um, apparently there's a, there's a bug here, and hopefully Apple will address this with a, with a new iOS update. But uh, it looks like Facebook is draining your iPhone battery. You may want to check your battery usage stats, assuming that you're on iOS 9, because it, it actually does have a nice thing. But um, the GPS tracking availability for Facebook, you know, and, you know, God knows they don't track you close enough from your, your shopping habits. But if they're, if they're draining your battery on top of it, and the newer phones have excellent battery, but if you're, if you're, if you're saying, why the fuck is my battery halfway dead, you know, three hours after charging it, you may want to look in your settings and you'll see how much Facebook is actually using of your battery. And it's kind of funny because Facebook and Apple both are pointing the fingers at each other and ultimately point, pointing the finger at the iPhone owner saying, well, this is what you agreed to when you hit agree to the terms of service. Uh, basically, what's going on is if you have Facebook on with the, uh, all the default settings on your new iPhone, it is tracking your location and it, it is submitting that information to Facebook, who I was just speaking very highly of. Um, nobody knew initially why Facebook was running in the background on iPhones, even if you kill the app. Um, and security researchers looked into it and they said, if you move around a lot, you're likely to get more battery use, but the combination of GPS and networking going on in the background is likely the majority of the cause of battery drain, which right now is accounting for about 15% of your battery's drain overall. Um, and again, the saying is not surprising to anybody who bothered to read the fine print. Facebook's in-app location setting clearly states that if you have location history and access set to always, then Facebook will, quote, build a history of your precise location even when you're not using the app. And that's really scary because, again, with the app closed, it's still running in the background and sending out very specific, very precise location tags to Facebook. Yeah, and the thing is, of course, your battery is going to die. No matter in iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, Windows, doesn't matter. If you have all these apps with GPS turned on and it's tracking you, it has to work harder. It's going to use more data, so it makes perfect sense. Now, I wanted to check this out firsthand to see if the, the draining issue was affecting everyone. Now, for me, you said maybe 15%. I got like 8 or 9% tops when I was checking ba battery usage. So well, there's another issue as well. Um, I, I couldn't find a text description of it, but I, I admit I looked briefly, but there was a YouTube video. If you want to look for it, when Apple released the new iPhone, there's two different chipsets and one chipset will definitely drain your battery a lot faster than the other chipset. And what I'm assuming is they didn't have enough from one supplier to keep up with the demand of the new phone. So they had to go to a secondary supplier and again, uh, you can find that YouTube video, and it'll explain how to find out by your 
model number or whatever, which chipset you have. And um, I don't know if there's an exchange in process for that, but Apple has admitted that that is an issue. And that's looking at about 30% battery drain on top of this 15%. So if you have location settings on and you have a shitty chipset in your iPhone, I don't think your phone's going to make it through the day. <laughs> well, nowadays there are other alternatives. You bring your little, you know, charging brick or, or, or even a battery phone case. And, um, that usually just nips the problem in the bud. You know, if you can get through the whole day, then, you know, as long as, as long as your phone's still on, whatever, if you, if you, if you're plugged in or if you've got a battery charger, you know, it, it just depends on what, how you choose to tackle, uh, your battery usage issue. I have a galaxy, uh, S five. I don't need the latest and greatest. I just need something that works. But what I do dig about this is, um, you, if your phone gets dangerously low, you can put on some pretty extreme power savings. And of course it keeps you from checking your email or using the majority of your apps. But what it does do is it'll guarantee you can make a phone call. And some people have benchmarked this and you can go like two to three days on single digit percentage on your battery on your phone. If you absolutely had to. I think iOS nine addresses that. I think there's a power reserve mode. There certainly is for the Apple watch too, where it just won't do anything, but just give you the time and all that. Cause you're lucky if it lasts a day, but um, yeah, this is what I love about not having a monopoly. Not everyone has to, 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 you know, you, you as a consumer have a choice. Apple pushes Android to, to be the leader. And of course there's feature sets that uh, it takes Apple a couple of years to catch up on. And every time they announce a new iPhone, Android people are going, <laughs> we've had that for two years. Every single time there's a new phone. I joke a lot and I talk about being a fanboy and, and I will cuss you out for your diehard just loyalty to Apple. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing I say about Sony and Microsoft. You need them to exist in tandem because you're not going to see progress otherwise. You need Android to keep making advances so that Apple can fight back. And at the end, the consumer is the one who wins. If it was a monopoly and there was only one company putting out phones, we'd probably still all have flip phones with tactile keyboards. Yeah, there's no reason why every consumer shouldn't have access to all the nice features. So, for example, the new 6S and 6S Plus with the 3D touch and all that. Amazon's probably scrambling, and, or not Amazon, sorry, Android and Google are like scrambling to create phones with that, with that new technology because, you know, the force touch and depending on how deep down you, you, you touch the screen and all that with pop-up menus and all that, that's like really changing the way that the iOS fan base is using their phones. And there's no reason the Android people shouldn't be able to enjoy that as well. And, you know, I, I laugh at simple things like the new um, Apple tablets coming out to have front-facing speakers. Four front-facing speakers. It's like, really? It took until 2015 for you to realize the speakers should be front-facing. And I still complain about that with uh, other tablets, phones. Why the fuck is the speaker in the back? Because if I'm looking at the screen... The sound is up facing me. It's blasting everybody I'm holding my phone at while I'm holding the screen up to my face. And for the voiceover people who have Android, you're kind of shit out of luck unless you have a tablet that has a USB port on it. Thankfully, Apogee has a mic that plugs with a lightning cable directly into the iOS device, iPad, iPhone, or, or whatnot. And it's a USB mic as well, but um, it doesn't seem like the interface for audio recording, uh, you know, professional audio recording, is, is up to snuff on the Android side. Although when I was an Android user uh, last year waiting for the iPhone 6 Plus to come along, um, 
man, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I have nothing negative to say about Android. Unlike iPhone, with the iPhones, you have one manufacturer. It's just Apple, and that's it. And every year, they're going to release their version of their phone. But with the Android platform, you have multiple manufacturers releasing multiple phones. So you can kind of pick what you want. You know, Am I going for something that's built for multimedia? Am I, do I want something bare bones where I can just focus on phone calls and text? So I kind of dig that more open-endedness on the Android front. And I got to concede that here lately, it seems the App Store is falling prey to more malware attacks and virus uh, possibilities and hacking and all that shit. The stuff that Apple used to take pride in is like we have a closed system, so no one's ever going to you know, be able to do what happens on the open system on Android. But it is happening. It is starting to happen. So now both... Uh, both developers are going to have to really scramble to, to, to stay, you know, five steps ahead of the hackers. The wonky thing with Apple, though, is with the new operating system, they had to pull literally hundreds of apps from their store because the new OS wasn't built to handle those apps. So even apps you paid for, they're dead in the water right now. And chances are Apple's not going to find a fix for them uh, because the the platform doesn't support those apps anymore. Remember you guys listening to the big ball broadcast, follow us at BB broadcast, the big ball broadcast at gmail.com or big ball broadcast at gmail.com. We love uh, getting your stories, your feedback uh, and all that fun stuff. Now we've gone this far without talking about superhero movies, but <laughs> we'll talk about the TV aspect of it. So Marvel teaming up with Fox uh, for the development of not one, but two X-Men universe TV shows. I mean, this is pretty wild. We knew that Fox was going to bring to the Fox network at least one uh, mutant-based television show, but apparently the news has been confirmed now that what is happening is Marvel is actually working with Fox, and they're going to be releasing two different shows, and one is going to be Legion, and the other is going to be Hellfire. Now, of course, Hellfire is a show that centers around the Hellfire Club, longtime enemies of the X-Men and Legion is um, a mutant with many powers and uh, I guess multiple personalities. Honestly, I haven't followed the X franchise for a while. I don't know if I want your chocolate and my peanut butter. If I want to go to the the movies and see the latest X-Men, that's one thing. I don't know how I feel already with Marvel with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and with everything that, that Warner Brothers is currently doing. I don't know if we need another network with more superhero stuff especially double the stuff we had anticipated um i'm kind of i don't know i'm weary i'm starting to already feel a little bit of the burnout well if they're if they're invested in it maybe they won't yank it after three episodes as they're notorious for doing they'll introduce really cool shows and then yank them do it like x-files fox going forward should do everything like x-files say hey we're gonna do six episodes and that's it and you know next season if it turns into a season then we lucked out fucking awesome but if you already lowball people from day one, I think that helps that nobody's expectations are going to get hurt later on. I think doing a low episode count, absolutely. That's the way to go. That's what Walking Dead did. Their their original show and then the new spinoff, Fear the Walking Dead, just a half dozen episodes. It breaks records. It catches interest. And then, you know, the ratings and those are the numbers that you have to take to the bean counters and then go, okay, then do that. Agent Carter, same thing, you know, like eight episodes and then it does well 
And then, of course, it gets greenlit. But, I mean, Disney owns ABC, and, you know, it was going to happen anyway. It seems like even if it was low-rated, they have enough of a vested interest in Marvel to, to continue with all that. Now, Marvel doesn't own Fox or the other way around. Disney owns Marvel. So they're completely two separate um, corporations uh, working together. It is an interesting experiment, but, uh, yeah, is it going to be too much, especially with all the, the superheroes glossing across the, the cinema screens uh, is it going to be too much for TV as well? I think it's interesting now, you know, especially after Sony conceded and decided to work with Marvel in terms of Spider-Man, that, you know, these studios will, I guess, do anything for a buck nowadays, <laughs> you know? Kind of like what we talked about last week with Godzilla and King Kong, where you have these two giant, uh, no pun intended, uh, motion picture companies coming together to make a buck. So I don't know if anything would, it would surprise me in that regard. Next year, we may be looking at uh, a Spider-Man versus Batman TV series. You can, of course, go to uh, social media like Twitter and get the live pulse, get get the feedback as it happens and whatnot. And then, if you're say a consumer and you're and you're and you're counting on reviews on Amazon, for example, you gotta you gotta trust that you're reading uh, legit things from consumers to help you make an informed decision before you purchase. Now, this is an interesting development. Amazon is going to be suing. Uh, over a thousand people for posting fake reviews and you know i can't say i blame them problem is though they really can't necessarily identify those people that posted those fake reviews right Uh, anonymous shit yeah but they're filing a lawsuit against more than 1,000 people who allegedly asked for money to post about products i'm assuming people who have been using uh, a service called i don't even know how to pronounce this it's f-i-v-e-r-r Fever, fever.com. And it's a website that asks people for as little as $5 to write and post fake reviews. And Amazon didn't dig that. So rather than go after the company, which I think we've seen uh, fail historically with torrents, you really can't necessarily go after a torrent site. It's hard to get a torrent site shut down um, with the exception of Pirate Bay, which there's like 90 clones out there of now. Um, they decided to go after the individuals. And if this goes forward, I think it could set up a kind of, I don't want to say fucked up, but interesting precedent for being able to sue people for these type of uh, false intents online. This, uh, this mirrors what we were talking about before we started recording about Plugola and Payola, something the record companies would used to do with radio stations back in the day. And that was that was really kind of what determined not the listeners on the request line, but uh, stations go, oh, my God, here's the new Britney Spears song and in hot rotation, as it were, and being played every half hour. It's like not because the people wanted it that often, but because the stations gave this the stations were receiving money. The DJs sometimes receiving money. Now, I came from radio. I worked in radio. I never was bribed. Uh, by any record company or any label or any executives going, hey, I'm going to give you, you know, free swag or concert tickets if you play this or, or I'll give you, you know, a thousand dollars if you play this album or whatnot. And, and that stuff was notorious, even happening in the, in the fifties and sixties and stuff. And then I think the government stepped in and, and, uh, they stopped it or, or at least tried to. I don't know that it happens in the, or certainly in the same way, but you know, people are sneaky. There's probably probably new ways for Plugola and Payola to advance, and this sounds like an offshoot of that, where you have, you know, it's like, oh, you want me to review your product, and then you know, do this, I'll give it a perfect review. I bought like an iPhone case. Well, I wasn't uh, bribed with money or anything, but uh, they did k- kind of keep email hounding me 
you know, and it actually was a good product. It was well made. It's like a, a case that uh, is also a wallet, and then it comes out in case it's too bulky. So it has a nice, you know, plastic thing around there. But I was getting like daily things once I went ahead and saw the order that was so cheap and. They were like overly attentive. It's like, are you happy with this? Would you give us a five-star review or, or give us a positive review? And, you know, I ended up doing that because I liked the product. But, you know, I would have just been considered myself harassed had I not liked the product. And they were like, if you don't like the product, you know, we'll, we'll refund your money or we'll give you a replacement one. It's like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Really, really, seriously. Just chill the fuck out. And I can understand that. I can understand the, the harassment angle because I kind of feel the same way with Amazon. But... A, the, the main reason they're going through with these lawsuits is because they say it, it, it undermines their brand. And I understand that, you know. Um, if, if you're going to the site and you are on the fence on a product, you're going to trust in those reviews. And if half those reviews are paid reviews, then you're getting scammed. So I, I understand that. But with getting hounded on by Amazon about posting a review, what I dig about it is that they're hounding on you because you're a customer. You actually bought that product. So your feedback really counts because you can go and leave reviews for anything, even if you didn't buy that product. It's not like eBay. Um, once you log into Amazon, you can leave a review for a book you haven't read or a dildo you never tried. Um, and that's what makes it a little scary. So I kind of do like they're going after actual customers. So you bought it. You have this thing in your hand. Please tell us what you think. A dildo you never tried. Are there customer reviews for dildos? I'm assuming there are. I, I'm, I'm assuming if you look it up, I don't know. That's how you're going to spend your next weekend. Let's just hope there's never a try-before-you-buy program in implemented. I hope not. And even eBay insists that any panties sold through their uh, service be washed before going out in the mail. Ew. Let me put some skid marks on here. Yeah, make some, make some big bucks. <laughs> if that's your thing, you know, fine. I don't get it. And I find it pretty appalling, actually. <laughs> So yeah, we're talking about money exchanging hands and whatnot. YouTube, obviously one of the one of the big successes of the internet, along with social media like Facebook and Twitter. YouTube, we're so used to going and accessing content for free, uh, but there is a model in place where uh, there's paid content. And I think people forget that that right now there is actually paid content on YouTube. Um, what's making this a little scary is that last year they had said that they were quote going to fund new content from some of our top creators. Um, what's scary is the news we're getting. This is out of recode is that they've been approaching quite a few content creators about shifting over to the paid model. And they, they insist they're still going to keep their, their free system going. Um, and unfortunately we won't know a hell of a lot more until tomorrow. Actually, if you listen to this, this live, on October 21st, um, they're, they're having a big studio event space in, in L.A. tomorrow. But anyways, um, there's some concern that some content, some of these people that bring in big numbers, and of course everybody thinks like you know PewDiePie and people like that, um, once this new paid content stream goes into effect, some of these uh, content creators may be exclusively paid-only model. It might kind of be like Hulu, where you can catch a, a little bit of what's going on this season, but if you want the whole package, you got to plunk down a few bucks. Mm, okay, so yeah, we do, you still got these these big companies trying to trying to get your dollars now that you're saving them from from cutting the cutting the cord. Now you still have cable, but uh, I I I quit the cable model 
couple years ago, and I haven't really looked back. Unless they offer like 4K shit, because I have a 4K TV. But I think we're a few years off from that ever catching on and all that. What is a little confusing to me now, and again, it's, it's going to be clarified in the new fu- near future, and hopefully we'll follow up, is that um, how does this impact channels like Team Four Star? Because they're ridiculously popular. They have tons and tons of subscribers. But, you know, is that something that YouTube can charge for content? Is that derivative enough or is that copyright infringement? Ooh, yeah. It already is kind of a copyright infringement nightmare just waiting to happen. We're all thankful for it unless you're the owner of that content going, dang, damn it. It got like 5 billion views, but they accessed my shit for free and I'm not making money, but I get the exposure out of it. So... Well, what's funny too, because you mentioned that um, some of these streaming services for Xbox and PlayStation, a lot of those videos are getting pulled from YouTube for copyright reasons. And a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, content providers have been getting really pissed off about that. And I guess fairly recently, they found out the problem isn't necessarily with the videos themselves, it's with the music. Because with a lot of other situations, they're negotiating different licensing deals for the music. And it's because of the music that these videos are getting pulled. So I guess they're saying, make sure you check your settings because there is a tab, a box that should be ticked that says only uh, approved music or or something to that effect. And if you don't have that ticked, you run a pretty good chance of your video getting ripped off of YouTube. It just seems like a monster that couldn't be stopped. You know, the whole the whole Twitch angle and its integration into current gen, you know, Xbox and, and PlayStation and the ability to stream your your game and doing the whole Let's Play type type videos and everything. I mean, I'm sure it's just a, just a, a legal entanglement, it's just a web that's so intricate and complex and annoying that they just had to, <laughs> they almost just had to let it happen because people will find a way. Oh, absolutely. And I think they'd rather have a system that they have in place and that they approve of because otherwise what's going to stop you from ripping your own videos and posting them anyway. You found this story, Steve, about uh, an animated horror movie uh, in production now that's going to be using uh, some old unreleased audio from some classic horror movie icon. This is pretty wild and totally came out of left field, but apparently animator Raul Garcia has obtained the rights to audio tracks from some old Roger Corman, Edgar Allan Poe films. And uh, Corman himself actually adds his voice to the talents, along with uh, Guillermo del Toro and Julian Sands. And The Telltale Heart, The Pit and the Pendulum, The Fall of the House of Usher... Facts in the case of Mr. Valdemar and Mask of Red Death each have their own unique animation styles. And uh, again, voiced by all these, uh, in some cases, past horror legends. This is going to be opening next week on demand. And I'm assuming uh, select theaters, because I haven't heard about it, I don't think it's going to have worldwide theatrical release. But it does say theatrically. And... uh, there's a trailer on YouTube, Extraordinary Ta- Tales, the uh, official trailer, and I'm intrigued. Color me intrigued. So you get stuff like what? Like Bella Lugosi, Christopher Lee? Bella Lugosi and Christopher Lee, yes, uh, and Vincent Price. Um, yeah, they're, they're these old recordings of their dialogue used in this animated film. From what I understand, this is uh, unused stuff. It's not things that you would have heard in anything that's already been made available, so... It's your first time to hear these delivery of these lines, uh, and because they're they're past, it's all done to animation. I wonder when how long it would take for an animated horror movie to come out. Of course, we've had like CG Resident Evil things, a couple you know uh, Japanese movies and stuff that, but like a 
a domestic North American animated thing. That's uh, this seems like a genre that's been pretty much untapped to this point. And a little secret I'll share, just the two of us. Um, I did approach Roger Corman and asked it, that if I went forward with my book, if he would write the forward. So fingers crossed. Well, guys, uh, that's going to put the lid on episode 43 of the BBB. Thank you so much for tuning in. Shout outs to Alan S., Sigmund88, Frank Chasm, Hero004, and all the boys and girls across the world who listen to us on Smodco Internet Radio and Smodcast.com. Until next time, this is Kyle Bear, And this is Otherworld Steve. See ya! Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.